I'm, uh, I'm Luke. I am ministry assistant slash intern. That's my, uh, it's my title, my full title here. And I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Glenn and Sarah's son. Um, and they're in Mexico today, so they thought it'd be a good idea for me to, to stand in. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to, uh, to share with you today. If you have your Bibles, you can open it to Galatians 4. It's in the second half of the, uh, of the Bible. Or just use your table of contents, no shame. Um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to share with you what I've been learning. And when I started, like my dad gave me this passage, and when I started it, I felt just kind of like, okay, I need to study the passage so I can explain it to people and, and preach it. And then I just found it started to seriously change things in my heart and change how I'm, how even I like view God and um, my relationship with him. And so I hope and pray that even more so that you would have that this morning, just from what the Bible says, maybe something from what I say too, but um, all the all the power is going to come from the Spirit speaking through the Bible. So let's read this together. It's Galatians 4, uh, 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, oh, I have slides too. Oh, Leo, your beauty. This is Leo's first time on media, by the way. Can we give him a round of applause? He's doing so good. Oh, yeah, Leo, you can just keep doing the slides. I'm already holding a mic, so. Okay, so verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray together. Um, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Jesus, that you're with us, that your Holy Spirit is here, that you who made every single person in this room, every star in the sky, and every planet, God, that you are actually here. You're actually living inside of us. And so I pray that this morning, just by your Spirit in us, that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say, that you would speak truth and power through your word and through the gospel, God, and that our lives would be awakened and that we would come to life again and that we would know you as you are meant to be known. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so a couple years ago, our family took a trip to Mexico. I think this was five or six years ago. And actually, my parents are in Mexico right now, so they, as soon as they left the day after, that's when we got all the snow. So when they come back, just rib them. Um, but yeah, so five, six years ago, we went to Mexico, and we stayed in this all-inclusive resort, and it was just, like, it was a dream. We had free drinks whenever we wanted, virgin, of course. Um, we had free drinks, no lineups or anything, have as much as we want. There was, like, a, a pool bar that we could swim up to, and oh, it was just the best, especially for like 14-year-old kid who loves sugar. These strawberry daiquiri drinks, those were, those made my entire trip. Honestly, that's all I remember from that trip, just the strawberry daiquiris. Um, but yeah, so I used to have these strawberry daiquiris all the time, and I remember one time, it was uh, me, Amber, and Zoe playing cards by the beach in Mexico, sipping our strawberry daiquiris. It was just idyllic, and, uh, and we ran out, and so Amber was like, okay, I'll go grab them, and so she went, and Zoe and I keep playing cards, and, and then Amber comes back with the three strawberry daiquiris and puts them down, and I'm so excited, so I just get right into it, start sipping it, and it's like, 
some doesn't taste right here. Like some, something's off. And then I take another sip, and I'm like, yeah, no, this sucks. This does not taste good. And I take another sip, and, and I realize it was not a virgin strawberry daiquiri. And 14-year-old me freaks out, thinking I'm going to get tipsy and thinking I have, like, underage drinking. Like, I was honestly, like, I'm not going to tell mom and dad. This is the, oh, I failed. I failed. I'm so sorry. Like, honestly, I, I just lost it. And, um, and I knew that something wasn't right with the drink. Something was off. It wasn't how it should be. I'd had that thing so many times. I knew what it was supposed to be like, but I just couldn't, like, it, oh, it just tasted awful. Something wasn't right. And... And it's just that, like, I know it's goofy, but I think when we look at our lives, we can see that something's not right within us, too. When we look just in our families and in our own hearts and in this world, like, we can, we can see that something's off, that something is not as it should be. Something has been added that isn't where, like, it shouldn't be here, you know? And why is this? What is it? And we see in the Bible that it's sin, Genesis 3, the fall, like, Sin is the reason for all the evil, all the injustice, all the pain that we feel, all the, like, emotions that, like, pride and anger and fear and worry, like, sin is the reason for that. And it's because we disobeyed God. If you read the first couple chapters of Genesis, what happens is God creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and then they decide, instead of following God and doing what he said for them to do instead of following his rules and his commands and living in perfect communion with God, they decide that they would rather just do what they want to do. And so they take the fruit from the tree that they were supposed to not take and, and that is disobeying God and that brought sin into the world. And so that is, that is the reason for this feeling that we can all, like we all know like something's not right here. Something's off. In our own lives and the lives around us, something is, something's not right. Yeah, and in our lives, it can, look like, it can look like pride or greed or lustful thoughts or addictions. Or, and and in, a, in a bigger way, in a more evil way, it can look like murder and it can look like illnesses. And it can, it can look like just massive injustice. And, and in, in Kelowna, it can be drugs, it can be drinking, it can be self-harm, it can be depression, anxiety, abuse, it can be all these things. And I'm not saying that if you're sick, it's because you sinned or anything like that. It's sin is the reason that we have illness in this world. Sin is the reason that we have like murder and genocides and all that stuff that is just so not right. We know that it's not right. And Romans 3.23 says that we've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. So every single person on this earth is in the same boat. Something's off. We've done wrong before him. and We've disobeyed him and turned our backs on him. And what we need is to be freed from that. We need to be freed from what? From what enslaves us. Romans 6 says that we are, it talks about being enslaved to sin, being slaves to sin. And that can look like a bunch of different things like I just listed. It can look like addictions. But we all are enslaved to sin, to brokenness, to pain. And we need to be freed from it. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of them. There's nothing in our power. There's nothing that we can read or watch or listen to or anything that can get rid of this brokenness that we feel. And this, this, just, this feeling of this isn't right. I'm not satisfied with the world that that I live in, that feeling. We need to be freed from it. 
And the only way that we can be freed from our sin is relationship with God. That's what brought this into the world, right? Is disobeying God and disobeying what he would want for us. And so we need to be made right with God again. We need to have our guilt before him, our sin, like pardoned. It needs to be forgiven. And I'm not saying again that if you believe in God, and I'll come to that in a second, if you believe in Jesus that your illness will go away or that all these bad things in the world are going to stop happening. There are some things that in this earth that are just not going to change. It's just how it is. In the world to come that we believe in, in the Bible, in Revelation, in the new heaven and new earth, there will be no illness. There will be no pain, no murder or anything like that. And so we believe in that, yes, the future, that the only way that we can have a future without sin and brokenness is making our relationship with God right again. And in our lives today, we can have freedom from things that bind us. We can have freedom from our addictions and from our our pain and our hurts and healing because of our relationship with God. So let's look at our our passage again. Verse 4. The shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So in the Old Testament, the Israelites would, not to go into too much detail, but the Israelites would give a sacrifice of like a lamb or uh, different kind of animals that were spotless. And then the Lord would look on that and say, okay, your sins have been covered. Your sins have been forgiven. You're good. You're clean. But eventually that just became like a routine. It didn't actually mean anything because there was still so much injustice in their lives. And so in order to be forgiven of our sins, in order to have that relationship with God again, we need to be, we need a shedding of blood. And I know it sounds so, like, it sounds so ancient having to shed blood to do anything, but that's, that's how it is. That's how God made it to be. And so Jesus came, and he died on the cross and rose from the grave, shedding his blood and defeating death forever. He was the final sacrifice because he rose from the grave and ending the curse of sin. Hebrews 9.26 says, But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So by his death and resurrection, we are free from sin and death. And that's not even the main point of my sermon, but that's pretty incredible. Like, that is an incredible thing just to sink in and go, I was wrong before God. I was guilty before God. The only way that I could get away from that and I could have that relationship with him again is if God made a way. And so he did. And from the beginning, that was always his plan to send his son in our place to bear our sins, to take our shame and our pain and our guilt and pardon it so we could have a relationship with God again. And I don't want to just blow past that. That is incredible. Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as one trespass from Adam and Eve, as one trespass or sin led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And Jesus is our one act of righteousness. He has covered us with his blood, with his life, his death, and his resurrection. This is incredibly good news. And so that sin and that feeling of something's off that we have, that's covered, that's dealt with. I just think about that. Our, our pain, our hurts, our, our reason the reason that everything is wrong in this world, the reason that we have illnesses and brokenness and abuse and all that, just awful stuff, the reason we have that has been 
put to death by Jesus on the cross. It's been put to death. It's something that we won't have to worry about. In this life, we'll still have to deal with it, but it's been forgiven and covered and we're saved when we believe in Jesus. All we have to do is turn from our sins, repent, and believe in Jesus' salvation for us. That's all we have to do. And your guilt before God is forgiven. Your debt is pardoned. He has paid your price. That's freedom. We've been redeemed from our sin, and we are now free in Christ. And this is incredible. And again, that's not even the main point of my sermon. It's just going to get better from here, I promise. Um, And as we see, like, verse 4, that God sent his son to redeem us from the law, that wasn't where Paul ended that passage. Even though that is, seems like more than enough, like Jesus covered our sins, like we've been forgiven, he keeps going. He says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons so that we could receive adoption as sons. In the Roman world, I didn't know this before, um, before studying it. In the Roman world, an adoption meant that somebody's uh, debts were canceled, their name was changed, so they were given a new name, and that they got all the rights that an heir was promised. And so usually what would happen is it would be a father who either had a son or um, who didn't have, or ha- had a son and he passed away or didn't have a son, but he had a big inheritance to leave to somebody. So he would adopt a worthy heir, somebody who would take good care of that inheritance, somebody who deserved to have that inheritance that that man had earned. And so that person, whoever it was, they would have all their debts just swiped clean. Is that the right phrase? Swiped clean? I don't know. Um, they, would be, like, they would be forgiven of all their sins. They would be given a new name. And they would have that inheritance for themselves. And adoption is a crazy, it's a crazy thing to think about. Like that form of adoption is, it's incredible. But usually, people were only adopted if they were worthy for it. You wouldn't adopt somebody who was an unworthy heir, who didn't deserve your inheritance. But God adopted the most unworthy people to be his heirs. Instead of adopting a worthy heir, God has adopted the most unworthy people. That's you and me. Believers of Jesus, that is you and me. People with a massive debt to pay, with a disgraced name, and who do they have no right. They don't deserve an inheritance. They don't deserve any inheritance. I don't deserve anything, let alone the inheritance that God offers us in Christ, which is the new heaven, the new earth, freedom. That's ours when we believe in Christ. This is incredible. Like, we did not deserve anything. We had so much going against us. We were wrong before God, and yet he said, I love you because I love you. I choose you. You're unworthy, but... In Jesus, you have a place with me. You have a relationship with me. Though we were unworthy, he adopted the most unworthy people to gain the most incredible inheritance in the world. This is incredible. We've been called heirs of the promise, heirs of the new heaven and new earth to come. So, And we've also, we've been adopted for that reason, 
but also so that we can have a relationship with him as our father. Verse 6 says this, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So because of Jesus, we are now sons and daughters, children of God. The God who made the universe, the one who made us first, who created us, the one who we have always been destined to be with, we have that relationship with him again. We've been bought back into his family. Though we were so unworthy, we've been adopted again. And we get to have a relationship with him that isn't just a transactional, like, I'll do this if you do this, and God, I'll follow the rules so that you can give me this stuff, and so I can get into heaven and get the inheritance. It's not like that. It's a relational relationship. It's a intimate, loving, close, personal relationship. Abba, Father. We get to have a relationship with him as our father. But maybe for some, this isn't what you wanted to hear. Like, your relationship with your father wasn't a good one. Maybe he fell short. Maybe he was angry or abusive or didn't keep his promises, didn't keep you safe, didn't provide for you, or he was unloving. Maybe you just didn't have a dad. You don't really know what one looks like. Maybe you felt like you needed to earn your dad's approval so that only when you were doing the right stuff was your dad proud of you. Was, did he love you? Or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with your dad, but you just picked your God in this way. It's just like a harsh, like, you need to do this so then I can give you this. And, and it's, it's, hard. it's hard to understand God as a father. And for me, that is, that is, that's tough for me to understand. Like, why would God, why would God want to be a loving father to me? Like, what does that even mean? How can we see God as a good and loving father when our views of fatherhood are marred by sin and brokenness? We've all known, we've all seen, even if you didn't have a bad dad, we've all seen the effect that poor fathers have on on kids. We see that. And so it's, it's hard to understand, like, what does it mean that God's my father, a loving father? What does it mean that I can cry out to him, Abba, Father? What does it mean that I can have a close, loving relationship with him? Pastor Gene Veith says this, that the essence of fatherhood is found in God and not in human beings. So our views of fatherhood are not, like, God is not just a better father than, like, he doesn't, is, isn't just a bit better than your fathers were. He is the ultimate father where all other fathers fall short. God is the perfect father where all other fathers fall short. He is the essence of fatherhood. He is the first father. He's the everlasting father. And so I'm just going to list a couple things that the Bible says. This isn't all of them, but just to encourage you that what, it, what does it mean that God is your loving father? Well, your dad, might have, your dad might have left you, but God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your dad might have hurt you or disciplined you in anger, but God says that he does discipline us, but never in anger or rage. He doesn't abuse us. 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Even the best earthly fathers correct and discipline their children. I'm sure every single father in this room does. Because if you don't, you're just letting your child be led astray. We need to. If I didn't be, if I wasn't disciplined and corrected by my dad, I would be going down the wrong path, going into sin and hurting myself, and then going, oh, man, I wish I didn't do that. That really hurt. That affected me. But because he disciplined me and guided me back onto the right path, I don't have to go through that pain. Even if the discipline and the hurt, or the discipline and the correction feels like it hurts us, and it feels like it's rubbing us the wrong way as rebellious, like, rebellious kids, we can trust that he is disciplining us and guiding us in the direction we need to go. Your dad might not have taken good care of you, but God says that he knows what you need and that he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Your dad might have loved you only when you did things well, but God says that he will rejoice over you with gladness, that he will quiet you with his love, that he will exult over you with loud singing, and that he shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that, again, unworthy heirs. We didn't do anything to earn his love or deserve his love or keep his love on us and his attention on us. He just loves us because he does, because we're his creation. We haven't done anything to earn his love. And the fact that while we were still sinning against him, while we were still going against what he wanted for us, he was saving us. As our backs were turned on the cross, he was saving us, and he was loving us, and he was bringing us back to him. Your heavenly father loves you. He loves you so much, and he has made a way for you to be saved from sin and to have a relationship with him again. He loves you as you are right now. Even if you're in the worst of the worst, so low, so broken, so hurt, he loves you as you are. You're not too far for him to save you or to love you. And if you feel like your father maybe stopped loving you when you got to a certain point of rebellion, your father will not ever stop loving you. He invites us to be his children, and he invites us into healing and freedom. And this one line that um, Rob Reimer, he wrote a book called Soul Care, which I highly recommend, that helped me a lot. He says this one line, it's just so simple. It's, precious child, you are loved by God. So if you're going to write anything down today, like, write that down. Precious child, you are loved by God. When you wake up, remember that you, (laughs) by the king of all kings, by Lord of creation, that You are a precious child. You are loved. You are loved by God. And I confess that far too often I forget what it's like, how sweet it is to know God as a father, to know him in this tender, close, personal way. And that's what I've been learning from reading this passage. I had, I felt like I had such, I had a relationship with God, like I need to, God, if I don't do that for you, I'm dishonoring you. And I need to do that so that you're pleased with me. And I felt that. And I don't think it's because of anything other than that's just how my brain is wired. Like, I need to do the right things in order so that I can know that I've earned God's, like, approval. So I know that he's pleased with me. 
And that's a boring, lifeless, transactional relationship that has no heart in it. And it leads you, lead, it led me into a place of anxiety and fear. Because I was wondering, like, oh, God, like, I've messed up today. I wonder what you're thinking of me. I wonder if you're pleased with me still. I wonder if I'm the one who you suddenly don't love anymore because I didn't do what you've asked me to do. And I, I slide into that all the time. That's my default relationship with God. But that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a loving, tender, close, peaceful, restful relationship with the Father, a loving Father who loves me despite me and who will never leave me nor forsake me. So let this sink in. Just to recap a little bit. We who are enslaved to our sins are now alive and free in Christ because of what he's done on the cross. And that is, that's everything. If you don't have that, like, that is the reason you're alive is to know God, to have a relationship with him. And we have that through Jesus Christ. So that's step one. Be free in Jesus Christ. And then through Christ, we go from being children of wrath like the rest of mankind, it says in Ephesians, to being beloved children of grace. Unworthy heirs, rebellious children of wrath, brought back into the family of God, loved and shown so much grace and so much mercy. And that he who made the earth and the animals and the plants and the oceans and the stars and the galaxies every single snowflake, every grain of sand, that he loves us, that he notices us. And I'm not trying to make this about us because it's not about us, but he is pursuing us so that we can know him more because he is the ultimate. We, take our, we get our rest in knowing that he is God and that he somehow loves us. And so in return, we don't just take that love and go, oh, cool, like God loves us. I can do what I want. I can live. It's an invitation to love him in return. We can know him intimately and personally because he lives in us. And I'm, I, I'm not going to focus on this because I think I'm already going a little bit long. But it says in verse, uh, verse 6, when it says he sent the spirit of his son to live in us, crying out, Abba, Father. Like, the, the spirit of Jesus who died on the cross, who performed all these miracles, who had a perfect relationship with God the Father for eternity, that Jesus is living inside of me, living inside of every believer. That's incredible. We can know him and we can commune with him and, and his spirit in us. And when we don't know what to pray, he prays for us and he lifts up prayers for us he's our counselor he's our comforter he's our he's our rest he's our shepherd so we can not just know about him we can know him and when we know him this way that changes how we live we can rest knowing that he won't leave us we can rest knowing that he'll give us all that we'll need that will never be wanting the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he is everything we need, and yet he still gives us the things we need on earth too. We can rest knowing that he leads us and guides us and corrects us so that we can do what is best 
for us and for his kingdom so we don't go into sin and evil and, and brokenness. Instead of working to gain his approval, we can know that he loves us and delights in us no matter what. That he convicts of us, convicts us of our sin and leads us into life and freedom. He heals our wounds and frees us from what enslaves us. I can just, I could go on. It's the whole Bible talks about the steadfast love of God because it's true and it's so important for us to understand. And just to encourage you even more as his child, these are just a couple of things. I spent five minutes going through the Bible and what does it mean to be a child of God? What does that mean? It means we're forgiven, we're delighted in, we're loved, we're known, we're secure, we're heirs, we're becoming like him, becoming perfect. We are comforted, we're full of joy, we're heard when we're crying out to him. Like, there's nobody in this world who gives us all of that. There's nobody in this world who hears us in the dead of night when it's just us, except for God, and he's right there with us. He's in us, he comforts us. So we're no longer a slave to sin, but a beloved child of God, adopted into his family, and an heir of the perfect world to come. Oh, it's so, it's so freeing to know that we who were dead in our sins have been made alive with Christ because of God's rich mercy and great love for us. And now we can live differently. So how do we live these things out? How do we practically, day to day, how do we remember this? How does it affect us? Well, the first thing is, you've got to believe these things about God, about him being loving, about him being caring, him being with you. You've got to believe them even when the enemy tells you that they're not true. And for me, that's a wrestle. For me to, for me to believe that he is still loving me even when I mess up, that he is still with me even though I turn my back on him, that he is still with me even though I go into sin and brokenness, that he still loves me and delights in me. The enemy's going to try to tell you, because he tried to tell me, he's going to tell you that you are the one who's going to change God's mind about his steadfast love. You're going to be the one who is not going to be allowed peace or healing or freedom. The enemy's going to try to tell you that and convince you there's no point of believing this God as a loving father stuff because it's not true because you you don't deserve that that's what he's going to tell you and so you got to believe because the Bible doesn't say anything about God not loving us anymore because we're sinners it's not there it says that he wants us to fear him and he wants us and desires that we follow him but he's not going to stop loving us when we mess up but the enemy is going to try to tell you, so you've got to believe. You've got to believe those things. The second thing, and I hope you guys are writing this down. So step one, believe these things, even when they're not true, or even when the enemy tells you they're not true. The second thing is you've got to spend time with him. You have to spend time with him. For a relationship with another person, to know them better, to grow in understanding of them, you have to spend time with them. You have to spend quality time just being with that person. And this, I put this as 
setting aside regular times of prayer. And so for 21 days of prayer, which is something that our church does, I tried three times a day to spend 30 minutes in prayer, just going down to my bedroom. So like being intentional, not just, okay, I'll just like, while I'm in this coffee shop, I'll, I'll sit here and pray, even though that's awesome. Like being intentional and going, okay, God, I want nothing else but my attention on you, just being with you. So I'm going to go, I'm going to pray for half an hour. Whatever comes to my head, I'll spill it out. I'll have my word and I'll just, I'll be with you. And that's, and through doing this and through reading his word, that's where breakthrough comes. If you're wanting to experience God, experience him in this through his spirit. Don't search for miracles and, and, and feelings and emotions. If you want to know him, look right here. Those emotions and feelings come but if you want concrete, you want to know who God is, you read the Bible, you spend time in prayer with him. So that's the second thing, spend time with him. And the third thing I've already said, just read his word. Read his word, go through his word, try to understand it, study it. Seek him through his word and you will get the right picture of God. A God who is loving, a God who is caring, God who is near, a God who is healing, God who loves you. So believe these things, no matter what, spend time with him and read his word. And as I finish, and I'll invite the band up, I just want to, I just want to sink in and, and let it, some of these amazing truths soak. So if you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes and just open your hearts to God and that we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to our brokenness, to our fear, our anxiety, our addictions. We're no longer slaves to sin through Jesus. We are beloved children of a loving Father. that there is nothing you can do that would make him change his mind. And that through every mistake, every downfall, he loves you. He's never going to leave you. He's right there with you. Heavenly Father, would you, would you open our hearts to you to know this, to know you. That we are no longer slaves to our sin, that we are no longer dead in our sins. That we are free and that we have life in Christ. That you are living in us. That you love us, that you've forgiven us, that we don't deserve it. You've adopted us even though we're the most unworthy people to get an inheritance and the inheritance that you offer Holy Spirit would you open our hearts to know this we can only know these truths when when you speak it doesn't matter what what I say or what we say to ourselves Jesus would you speak to us would we know this to be true would we know just how enslaved we were so that we can know the freedom that we have now that we don't have to 
earn your love or, or work for it or anything, that we've been freed from our brokenness, that we've been invited into a relationship with a loving Father who gives us all that we need. Holy Spirit, would you make that real to us? Would you pierce our hearts and point us towards you? Lead us to the cross that we lay down our lives so that we could have this relationship with you again, so that we could be free. Yeah, we love you, Jesus, and we just want to know you. And so I just pray for every single person in this room, for them to know that you've made a way for them to be free, to be without guilt, to have a relationship with you. Would we turn from our sins and and believe in what you've done for us in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and, and know you as a loving father and have that relationship with you once again. Yeah, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.